Welcome to the very first episode of Sweat Out, Happiness In. We're Lauren and Jason Pack, and we believe that fitness should be for anybody, everybody, and every body. Let's get into the show. What is up, Achievers? Welcome to Season 2. We're back. Episode 1 of our new rebranded podcast. We're so excited. So, yeah, we we took a little hiatus when, when... quarantine first hit we uh we just couldn't we couldn't keep the podcast going it was just we were trying to do it from home with Kendrick home our son who's now one and a half well now he's two but at the time he was one and a half and it was just way too chaotic to try to podcast yeah it was a lot and I mean to be fair we were kind of slowing down anyway because we were ramping up for our grand reopening right at Achieve Fitness which is our gym uh located just outside of Boston in Somerville Massachusetts if you didn't know that uh, but yeah, actually, Lauren, I've been meaning to tell you, I've been doing some research, and we actually have a sponsor for this show. What? Yeah. No, we haven't podcasted in a year. <laughs> like, we, have, we have no sponsor. This is the most classic Jason move. Um, oh. Yeah, no You're sponsor. Such a but jerk. but You're such a if jerk. someone's out there listening that has a company that would like to sponsor us, uh, definitely do let us know. <laughs> Okay, anyway, let's get back to the show. Uh, I'm such a sucker. I've known you for 15 years now. I'm still such a sucker. I definitely practical practical joke quite a bit, and I kind of have like a little bit of a deadpan delivery. And so (laughs) especially when people are like first meet me and I kind of like introduce that sort of humor to them, they're they're just like kind of confused. And Lauren has to then explain the whole process behind my deadpan humor. Which means that you're not that funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you have to explain the joke. It just makes people uncomfortable, so... (laughs) And then, but eventually it gets funny. I'm like, just stick with me. It'll, it'll get there. Um, but anyway, we wanted to do uh, a little bit of a deep dive episode, right? Yeah. So, um, well, first I, we wanted to just talk about rebranding the podcast a little bit. So oh, we right. changed the name and we changed our little intro. So for those of you who have been listeners for a while, we just kind of, we were like, okay, we took a little break. So we have this opportunity to um, just rethink the podcast and what we want to do. So we put out a feeler uh, a couple weeks ago, just like a little Q&A on Instagram and said, what would you like? Would you prefer uh, like a Q&A format or would you prefer deep dives? And so deep dives were um, like by far the the answer that people gave, right? Yeah, totally. They really wanted us to spend each episode going a little further into a specific topic. And so then just now when we were about to podcast, literally because Jason and I leave everything to the last minute, we were like, should we change the name? Should we change the tagline? Should we change everything about this? And we were like, yeah, let's do that. So we started to think about, okay, well, now we have an opportunity to think about um, sort of our our brand, who we are and what we wanted to have people take away from these podcast episodes and for us one of the biggest things is that we always want people to feel like no matter where they are in life no matter who they are what they look like you know how they grew up we want people to feel like fitness is for them because it is and it should be however it's not always portrayed that way um it's typically often portrayed as only for people who are already fit who are already going to the gym who already know all this stuff and um it can make people feel really really excluded and really ostracized and so our biggest mission with opening achieve has always been to welcome people into the gym who may have otherwise not felt welcome and we realized that that the opportunity was there to do that with our podcast as well. And we've always tried to do that with the podcast, but we didn't think the name really um, necessarily got that across. It was just called Achieving Fitness. And you could have just thought, I mean, how how uncreative of us. We were like, our name's Achieve Fitness, so let's just go with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, I think when we when we first were building out our gym, Achieve Fitness, um, that was like kind of like at the peak of, I feel like fitness was just so 
elitist, right? I think CrossFit was like forging elite fitness, mm. and like there are all these other fitness entities that were so it felt so exclusive and so like premium and elitist, and we just wanted to be like, you know, fitness doesn't have to be so pretentious and so exclusive. Yeah, yeah. so I think um, we really made it a point to be like, let's just have our mission be more about just chill positivity inclusivity and just the complete opposite end of the spectrum because that's who we are as people and that's what we really think that the fitness industry needs yeah 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 so our new name is sweat out happiness in and that we believe that fitness is for anybody everybody and every body it'll, it'll take some time to to let it roll it doesn't off the roll tongue, off the tongue as much as it used to because we were so in the groove of our old uh, <laughs> of our old intro but at least now jason doesn't have to say burning questions anymore <laughs> you know people hated that but i think they again they grew to love it so yeah so yeah. your the theme is that people don't like you at first and, <laughs> and then they eventually learn to love you uh, actually that's true for me too i met you and you were wearing a yankees hat i was oh, like oh god i don't like this guy yeah first impressions Ugh. <laughs> you gotta work on that <laughs> anyway everybody always comes around yeah. <laughs> all right so Let's get into it. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk about the, the topic of today's show? So, yeah, we were – so we asked people what they wanted us to talk about, but we didn't ask about specific topics. So we're going to go for one that just came to mind because today we're actually – also releasing a um, free ebook that is called Power and it's about the kettlebell swing um, and it goes into detail about sort of the steps that we like to take when we're teaching someone how to do a kettlebell swing and so we thought it was the perfect opportunity to kind of use that as our inspiration for today's podcast episode so we'll talk about kettlebells and kind of why we like kettlebells and why we use them and then we'll go into a deep dive about how we teach the kettlebell swing and yep. then uh, at the end we'll also mention how to find the ebook so that you can yep. actually if you're more a visual learner you can actually download the ebook it's free and just look at the different um, steps that we like to take yeah I'll link it in the show notes but it'll be helpful to have a little bit of an audio as well to the visual yeah um, but yeah should we just go into why we like kettlebells so much let's talk about why we love kettlebells <laughs> for me I think the the it's the best introductory tool or piece of equipment that leads you into strength training I think mm. I think it really helps you to uh, just set up really good framework to move your body well for strength training purposes um, unlike a barbell where you really have to maneuver yourself around this sort of rigid like fixed object with kettlebells you can really maneuver it to whatever your body naturally wants to do which we think is the beauty of kettlebells um, and then additionally, I think it's just the unique nature of the shape and the how you hold it. It, it lends itself well to just doing some really different um, cool and advanced moves, I guess. Yeah, I think for me, I love the athleticism of the feeling of swinging kettlebells or using kettlebells. Yeah. Whereas dumbbells, I love for strength training as well. Like even especially as when you mentioned introductory like introduction to strength training we always kind of start with dumbbells and kettlebells and yeah. use them in different ways and but dumbbells i feel like you like if you start with a dumbbell french bench press a french press <laughs> a uh, french dumb press <laughs> what, what's my mind on um a dumbbell bench press the kind of only progression is to go either heavier or to a barbell but with kettlebells you learn a, a kettlebell goblet squat and then you can learn a clean to squat and then you can learn a clean to squat to press and you can kind of start flowing these movements together and it feels very fluid and very athletic and I, I've always loved just the feeling of, of working with kettlebells and stringing movements together um, it's just so unique and yeah it feels yeah great. I think uh, especially going on with your power and kind of athleticism standpoint there's not many other implements in the gym that you can swing 
explosively like <laughs> in between your legs and then out in front of you and swinging it overhead um so seamlessly as you can with a kettlebell yeah. right so i think um it just really lends itself well i mean you can do it with a dumbbell it's just a little bit more awkward and less um less Doesn't efficient feel as I guess. fluid yeah. yeah yeah um and yeah we really like to use it as a teaching tool so we like to do kettlebell deadlifts before um, trap bar or barbell deadlifts we like to do goblet squats before back squats um, we just think that it just really sets you up well because again you can really maneuver your body around the kettlebell um, I mean sorry you can maneuver the kettlebell around your body rather than having to conform to a barbell um, yeah. first yeah and that's one of the things that we wanted to touch on too with kettlebell training and just with how we kind of introduce how to use kettlebells in the first place is that it's not about trying to mimic somebody else's movement but about how to make the movement work for you as an individual mm -hmm. um, and so when we were thinking about how to talk about today's episode I was remembering back to when I first learned a Turkish get up and I learned it from YouTube and I just watched the person on YouTube and then tried to do it and I had no idea like what I should be thinking about in terms of pushing my bottom arm into the floor to make sure my shoulder was in a good packed position or how to be where I should my head should be like should I be looking up at the ceiling or down at the floor like I wasn't paying attention to those things I was just so focused on trying to figure out each step of the movement that it was so like I was always holding my breath and so uncomfortable and I didn't really know what I was doing but I was like oh but I'm doing a Turkish get up I yeah. figured out how to do a Turkish get up and that was my end goal with learning that movement mm -hmm. and I think that happens with the swing too people just want to learn the swing so they just watch someone swing and try to look the way that they look yeah totally and we want to break it down for you if that is where you're at like don't worry that's where I was at that's where Jason was at like we learned a lot of our first moves in the gym from watching videos of other people doing them and it's a great place to start but I think taking a step back and thinking about your body in space and thinking about how to make sure that you're moving it with the intention that we're looking for with the movement not just trying to mimic the movement is yeah. what we want to talk about today yeah and I think the kettlebell really will expose if you're not being mindful right and mm. you're not being thoughtful about where you are in space because with a barbell or more traditional strength implements you can kind of muscle it and really kind of kind of fake the movement and be successful with it quote unquote but with kettlebell stuff when you are snatching heavier weights and cleaning kettlebells like a lot of inefficiencies can be exposed really quickly which is the reason why we think it's so great and what we've really found when we're working with people is that when people have a base of kettlebell knowledge and understanding and experience, they can easily translate that strength to barbells, right? Mm. They can deadlift well, they can bench press well after some experience and time. But what we found is people that have been really ingrained with barbell stuff first, and then they try to apply it to kettlebells, it almost never works out the other way, right? They, yeah. they have too much uh, strength and too much raw strength, I guess, and less of the kind of the subtle um finesse finesse yeah, yeah finesse and connectedness and coordination that kettlebell training um, really requires so we really think that again kettlebells just sets you up so properly with a good base of just movement knowledge and you can really translate it well which is why it's such a good introduction to strength training yeah um so i think the two foundational movements of kettlebell training are going to be the kettlebell swing as well as the turkish get up right yeah. um we're going to really dive deep on the kettlebell swing today and really just break that down and again you'll have a visual um uh representation of all this with the ebook that we're going to be putting out which will be uh, linked in the show notes yeah. all right should we start with the kettlebell swing 
We sure should. Well, you said that that's what we're going over today, so I yeah. feel like that's what we should start with for sure. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like it's the obvious route to yeah, take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Let's All go. right. So with the kettlebell swing, the first move that we would teach would be a hip hinge, correct? Mm-hmm. So we're actually, well, yeah, I mean, it would, but we would also talk about breathing. Yeah. And we would also talk about, there was a couple things. No, no, go, go for, we'll go go for a hip, hip hinge. hinge. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing we would talk about is a hip hinge. So the kettlebell swing is a hinge movement, not a squat. And so knowing the difference between a hinge and a squat is really important because they both look similar. Like both of them have some degree of flexion at the hip and some degree of flexion at the knee. But the, the hinge is more flexion at the hip and less flexion at the knee, whereas a squat is more flexion at the knee and less flexion at the hip. Yes. So a hinge would mean your hips are up higher and your knees are bending less. And a squat would mean your knees are down, your hips are down lower and your knees are bending more. Yeah, exactly. A good way to tell whether or not you are hinging properly is if your torso looks like a V. So basically your torso and your and your, and leg, your, upper your, leg. your upper thigh yeah. um, should form a V because like Lauren mentioned, your shoulders are above your hips and your hips are above your knees. Yeah. 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 So should we talk about how we like to teach somebody how to hinge yeah so i think the number one thing that we always try to get at for people is to be really mindful about their weight distribution and we always like to have their weight distributed along the midfoot and we really slow things down to the point where we we kind of have it broken down to each degree of movement Mm -hmm. and making sure that each degree of movement they're on their midfoot right And so, I mean, if you if you have the ability to stand up, if you're not like driving or walking your dog <laughs> or whatever, um, why don't you try this? Try to stand up with your feet about shoulder width apart, feet slightly flared out, and then from there, bend your knees slightly, let's say 10 to 15 to 20 degrees or so. Now, keeping those knees bent, try to sit your hips back while allowing your torso to lean forward. And so you're really hinging your hips backwards while your torso is leaning forward. If your torso doesn't lean forward, and it's kind of staying in the same spot, you're more than likely gonna fall backwards, your weight is gonna be too far back. So you really need your torso to lean forward to counterbalance. Now, on the flip side, if your torso is leaning too far forward, or if your knees are coming too far forward, your weight is gonna be on your forefoot. And that kind of signals to you that you are, you're just too far forward. And eventually when you start deadlifting or swinging kettlebells, that's gonna pull you way far forward. So you really wanna be along your midfoot. And while you're practicing your hip hinge the whole time, you're breathing naturally, you're being relaxed, and you're keeping your weight along your midfoot, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's the main thing. So if you're practicing this on your own, we would definitely recommend taking off your shoes if you can do oh, that. Yes. Yep. Um, because that's going to actually allow you to feel where you are on your foot. If you have, especially if you have like thick running shoes on, it's going to be really hard to be able to tell where your weight even is distributed. So taking off your shoes and being barefoot or in socks is going to really help you feel where your weight actually is. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, at the bottom position, your back should be flat. Um, like we were saying, your hips should be above your, um, your shoulders should be above your hips, hips above your knees, and all these sort of alignment cues should be, um, should be met. But we really think the number one thing is, is your weight distributed along your midfoot? Because if you are, that means you're balanced, that means you're sturdy, and that means you're in a very stable position to then do more uh, kettlebell explosive moves. Yeah, right? yeah. 
definitely. Um, and so if you haven't practiced hip hinging before, something that we like to recommend is starting against a wall. Mm, yeah. And you can have your heels against the wall. You can take just like a foot's length step forward. So you're about a foot away from the wall. And then from there, you're going to sit your hips back and try to tap the wall with your butt. <laughs> yeah. And so sit your hips back, reach your arms forward. Think about keeping length through from the crown of your head toward your tailbone the whole time as you're sitting your hips back and trying to tap the wall. You want to have soft knees and just allow for that movement to be really coming from your hips mainly. Yeah. It helps to think, imagine that you are stuck in like ski boots so that you know that your knees can't come forward. If your knees come forward, that will automatically translate into more of a squatty pattern. But as long as you keep your knees kind of fixed and your shins in a fixed position and you only move back with your hips, um, that means that you are doing it well. Yeah. And it feels like very exaggerated at first, but that is the goal to really try to send your hips back as much as possible. The more they're back, the more your hamstrings and your glutes and your hips are in a position to then uh, spring forward and really uh, you're able to really take advantage of all that stretch force being applied. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then let's also talk about the top position. So the hinge mm. is the, the back swing yep. position. So when the kettlebell is, is back between your legs and behind you, you're in a hinge position. Mm -hmm. And then when you stand up, we want to basically be in a standing plank. So we want to be in a position where we're really, really stable and solid at the top. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and we go over this in the book. We uh, go over a drill called the standing alignment drill. Mm. And should we talk over it or... Um, it's kind of more of a visual thing. It maybe. is pretty visual. So yeah, let's go ahead and just download the ebook so that you can see it. But basically we want to make sure that you're not taking for granted, just like your positioning at the top. Like you're not just standing up. You're, yeah. you're really having a lot of intention with the way that you stand up in the position that you're in at the top. And when you're just standing around normally, it's not as like, it doesn't need to be as rigid, but when you're at the top of a kettlebell swing and you have a kettlebell out in front of you, you really do need to make sure that your ribs are stacked over your hips and that you're pushing down into the floor, you're pressing the crown of your head up to the ceiling, just to make sure that you're able to really withstand that, the force of that kettlebell going out in front of you. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, one of the big points there is pushing down into the floor and it feels kind of like a it feels kind of weird at first once you're not used to it, but it helps to imagine that you are you are standing on top of like putty or jello or something along those lines, and you're really trying to push down into the the jello as much as possible. I think putty is a better putty. Yeah. Jello will just squish under your That's feet. That's <laughs> true. Putty, and really trying to leave as big of an indent as possible into the floor. And the more you can kind of intentionally think about that, the more you are naturally going to root yourself into the ground and be again really steady and sturdy and stable at the top of your swing yeah yeah cool cool all right so that's the hinge and the top of the swing so it's a it's the two extremes of the 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 positionings that you're going to get into the yeah. back swing and the top and when you are working between those two and trying to find those two ranges of motion we really again want you to slow it down Go degree by degree and making sure, again, the whole time that you are able to meet the the general criteria of the swing, of, of the of the hinge, but also making sure that your weight is along your midfoot yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then from there, we go into a kettlebell deadlift, yeah. right? So we actually load the pattern. And so for this, we're utilizing the same exact principles, but now we're having the kettlebell right between the arches of your foot. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people place the kettlebell right along their forefoot. But having it there means that most likely you're going to have to shift your weight forward in order to then grab the bell. So we really like to have it between the midfoot or even a little bit further back if that helps you to get your weight a little bit more along your midfoot. Yeah. 
Um, and then from there, we have them grab onto the handles and just stand up. I mean, we've already <laughs> patterned it with the hinge, but it's fairly simple after that point to say, do the same thing, but with this weight. And yeah, as long as it's weighted accordingly, they're not going to round their back or be in a funky position, right? Yeah. One thing that we always think about is how can we minimize the amount of cues that we need to give somebody? Because when somebody's performing something, especially as it becomes more fast paced like a kettlebell swing we don't want to have to be throwing a bunch of cues at them while they're performing the movement so by breaking things down step by step and by really patterning these these positions we shouldn't have to really say too much else right yeah. so now that they now that you've really spent time doing the hinge and practicing the hinge all you're doing now is adding weight to that movement pattern so now all we really have to think about is grabbing the kettlebell and standing up yeah, <laughs> and getting and hitting those two positions, hitting that hinge position and hitting the standing position. And we shouldn't have to say too much more because you've yeah. already practiced. Yeah. And this is like the, the reason why setting a good foundation is the foundation of, <laughs> of everything. Right. And this is why, again, why we like kettlebell training, because it just helps you to just set all the right foundations in terms of how to move appropriately uh, with and without a weight. Right. So if we hadn't taught you the hinge, we would have to say, stand over the kettlebell, have it right between the arches of your feet. Now sit back with your hips and make sure that your shoulders are above your hips and your hips are above your knees. And we're saying so many things that you would end up staring at us like, I have no idea what you just said to yeah. me. And then you would just do whatever you would naturally do to get down onto the, <laughs> yeah, pick totally. up the kettlebell. So now we get to say, take that hip hinge and do exactly that. But all I want you to do is grab on nice and tight to that kettlebell and maybe have your shoulders come down and back a little bit to get your lats engaged. Yeah. And we have just one cue that we now have added into the equation because there's a new implement or a exactly. new step. Yeah, that's perfect. So now we're going to build off of the kettlebell deadlift now and go into the kettlebell hike pass, yeah. right? And so the hike pass, this is going to be the first time where we introduce having the kettlebell out in front of the person because we want to have a little bit of momentum to then go into your swing later on, your swing pattern later on. And so for the kettlebell hike pass, we like to recommend stepping about maybe a foot, foot and a half away from the bell, right? And then from there, you're going to hinge back and then place your hands on top of the bell. Now, if you just leave it like that, you're going to be very in an awkward position. What you want to think about doing is tilting the kettlebell handle slightly towards you and kind of simultaneously shifting your weight subtly back along so that your weight is distributed along your midfoot. And that's going to set you up for a more crisp start to your swing. What we see oftentimes is people letting that kettlebell handle just be straight up and then starting their swing. And there's like a little bit of delay because the kettlebell swing that has to catch or the kettlebell has to catch up by tilting back and it just becomes a little bit disconnected. Yeah, it, it, it really disconnects the movement. You want to think about whenever you're swinging the kettlebell, you want to think about it as an extension of your arm basically. And so you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have your wrists like bent and then flex and be like doing a lot of wrist movement yeah. during kettlebell swing. But if the kettlebell is in a different position than your wrist, so say your wrist is neutral, but the kettlebell is flexed <laughs> as yeah. your wrist would be, if that makes sense. This is hard to explain on a <laughs> podcast. It will just break things up basically so you want yeah. to keep your wrist nice and neutral and the kettlebell should basically the kettlebell handle should basically just be a continuation of your for your arm and wrist position exactly yeah. yeah it's it's kind of like how in barbells for deadlifts we talk about wedging right we yeah. want to do we want to set ourselves up to the point where every, the only thing we need to do is actually lift the thing up lift yeah. the barbell up so yeah. we love talking about wedging so we, we get our hips in the right position we're pulling up on the bar and the only thing we need to do then is just to put force into the floor and stand up and that's kind of what we want to do with the hike pass we want to eliminate any other step that needs to happen before we actually hike the bell back yeah um now the key here is 
you've gotten down in a good hinge position, you've got the kettlebell tilted back towards you, the key is to make sure that nothing changes besides where the arms and the kettlebell are, mm -hmm. right? So we're gonna swing the bell back between our legs, bringing it back and high up towards, I mean, basically our crotch area, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then placing it right back down. And nothing should change. Your torso angle shouldn't change. Your knee position, your hip position shouldn't change. It should be basically the same. Yeah, we always see that happen early on because it's like the anticipation of of something's about to happen. And so you either people either hike their hips up as they bring the kettlebell back or they yeah. lift their chest up as they bring the kettlebell back. It's very hard to actually just maintain your angles and just move the kettlebell. Yeah. Um, it's it's just like a mental mentally challenging <laughs> thing right. to do. But if you can think about, I'm just keeping this solid base and all I'm doing is pulling that kettlebell back between my legs and bringing it back forward. Mm -hmm. That's going to set you up for success later. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that... Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of like are like ah oh, like get like excited and like kind of rush that point and then yeah their their body position kind of changes and and takes different shapes. Yeah, but what we want to think about is the reason that we're practicing this hike back position is because we're just trying to practice and and really ingrain in your body this hinge position with a kettlebell back between your legs because mm -hmm. the hinge without the kettlebell back between your legs is one thing but then now when you have a weight back there you're just trying to figure out now how do I you'll feel if you're especially if your shoes are off you'll feel your weight wanting to shift into your either onto your heels or onto your toes and so yeah. we're trying to now say okay now that we have a load we need to find how to do that without letting our weight shift too much forward and back on our yeah. feet yeah yeah totally um and then one other thing I was going to talk about for the hike pass was, wait for it, wait for it. Oh, one, th <laughs> <laughs> one thing uh, that I was thinking was when you are going through your, your hike pass, I did mention to try to keep everything as still as possible. But if you were to slow it down, there is going to be some micro movement. So definitely don't feel like it has to be like to the exact degree perfectly stable. There will be a little bit of momentum and movement happening it just shouldn't be like egregious basically yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um and then from there we actually go into our kettlebell swing yeah. right except yeah. we do it one at a time so rather than going from hike pass to swinging the kettlebell 10 times in a row we like to go with just single swings yeah so individual reps basically yeah, yeah. so you go into your traditional your standard hike pass but instead of putting it back down on the floor, we're actually gonna swing it out in front of you. And we like the hands about chest height, I would say. Yep. And we like the arms for the most part locked out. They can be slightly bent, but we see a lot of people bending their arms like a little bit too much, almost like a T-Rex type of swing. <laughs> we really like it outstretched. And the reason we like it outstretched because the whole point of the kettlebell swing is to develop a lot of horizontal force. And if you are bending your arms, that's kind of like negating and minimizing that force and sending it actually upwards instead of straight outwards. And we want to have that bell uh, travel straight outwards if we were, let's say, to let it go because that's where all that force is going horizontally. Yeah, when we're trying to create vertical force, we do bend our elbow like in a kettlebell snatch, for, yes. for example. So when we're doing a single arm kettlebell snatch, we actually want that elbow to bend a lot a to lot, keep yeah. the kettlebell from going out in front of us and instead to project the force upward. So we just want to differentiate between the two because we think that then you're getting the most benefit out of each individual one. Yes. Um, so make the swing a swing and the snatch a snatch and don't try to make them each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people also have seen, like this is again going back to like you might respect someone who does kettlebell swings, but they happen to bend their elbows a little and it could be for various reasons. Like yeah. they might have 
an elbow that doesn't straighten all the way or they might be trying to overpack their lats and it's inadvertently happening but you might see that and just naturally think oh that's what I'm supposed to do right yeah. um, so that's why I think the intention of the movement and knowing and understanding the intention of the movement is always really important so knowing that the intention of the swing is to project force forward means that making that letting your elbows straighten out will make the most sense in terms of trying to match that intention yeah definitely and like we were talking about before the best part about going over the hinge in such detail and then talking about the standing part of in such detail is that we don't have to explain that much when you have a heavy weight and you're trying to swing it back and forth right so we went over the height pass and we also talked to you about the standing position and now we're just kind of putting those two together in order to have your single do we call it a dead start? Dead start or dead, dead stop. Dead stop swing. Yeah. And so, yeah, you hike past, you stand up tall, the kettlebell floats out in front of you around chest tight, and then you bring it right back down to the floor. Yeah. Um, and then again, the key point here is to make sure that your torso, like all the checkpoints that you hit earlier with the hinge still apply. So again, your shoulders should be above your hips, hips should be above your knees. You should have that V position. Your back should be flat and your weight should be along your midfoot the whole time right yeah and that's your single swing and then from there we just start stringing multiple swings together and i like to start off with three swings in a row then moving on to five and just moving up a couple swings in a row right because we often find that people might be good for their first couple and kind of uh, just kind of get in their heads a little bit and yeah. might, might mess up so we like to go a few reps at a time and build up from there yeah or even just doing like not even putting a number on it just saying just do a few swings that's i think that's true, what we yeah. typically do because we don't want to have somebody worried about counting <laughs> like right now it's just about feeling the movement and trying to understand what is happening with the movement so if you're yeah. like one two three you might not be thinking about <laughs> everything so just try a few reps and put the bell down when you feel like maybe things are getting a little off or a little funky yeah and, and that can be your set um oh yeah one thing i uh, forgot to mention was kind of understanding where to begin with general weight recommendations, oh, right? Yeah. Um, and something that we talked about in the ebook was we like to have someone deadlifting with a kettlebell with around a 32 kilo or more if possible um, before they start swinging, right? And the reason why we like that is because we're obviously gonna be swinging with a lighter weight, right? And so um, we like to start off our hike passes and our single swings with somewhere around a 14 or 16 kilo bell because A, if you are using lighter weights, the eight or 10 or 12, it's just really low to the ground. So it's tough to get into a good position for your height passes and your swing stance because it's so low. And then also B, because it is lighter, it's tough to really feel and get that feedback from the bell on how to actually orient yourself in space because there's just not enough weight attached to it. So we really like to have people get to around a 32 kilo um, bell for deadlifting before moving on to swings because that's where we recommend more of a 14 to 16 type of bell. Yeah, and if that seems overwhelming to you right now, we would say just start working on your kettlebell deadlift strength. Like there's no reason mm -hmm. to rush into doing kettlebell swings and we yeah. think there's more benefit to spending some time building strength in the deadlift than trying to rush to the swing using a lighter weight. Yeah. So I think definitely, like it, I know that that can sound 32 kilos, 75 pounds, that can sound definitely intimidating to some folks who maybe are newer to strength training. Yeah. Um, but if you're newer, then just just keep plugging along at building strength in the deadlift yeah. and then eventually you, you I promise you will get there and then you'll be able to feel just a lot more comfortable and a lot stronger and understanding the movement a lot better once you do get to that point and you can swing a little heavier yeah for a frame of reference um, with our members that join our gym it takes them around three months before they get to deadlifting the kettlebell 
around that point. Um, and that's when we first start to introduce just the concept of kettlebell swings in the yeah. first place, right? So yeah. at, at the three-month mark, we might explore kettlebell hike passes. So this definitely isn't like learn a kettlebell swing in a day kind of yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit more... Um, long-term approach. Long-term, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, and then once we get to the swing and people are have been doing swings for a while we we don't like to like i was saying earlier we don't like to throw a bunch of cues at people right away we want them to start to feel the movement the only time we would stop somebody's set is if they were doing something that could maybe potentially injure them if they're Mm -hmm. starting to like really round their backs or the kettlebell is kind of getting too far away from them in either direction like going way too far out in front of them or way too low in the backswing we might say stop reset shake it out but otherwise there's just this like learning happens from doing and from feeling and instead of trying to match these perfect like put yourself in this perfect position like allowing yourself to feel Mm. the feelings of the kettlebell swings it sounds very uh very emotional but really i just (laughs) mean like allow yourself to to learn through doing yeah um as long as you're hitting those key safety elements yeah And, and again another reason why it's such a good introductory tool to strength training is it really lends itself well to again finding yourself in space and understanding weight distribution and how important it is to be balanced throughout mm, a movement yeah. so I, I definitely definitely advocate for that yeah 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 oh and then one other thing is um breathing uh, a lot of times oh, yeah. when people get uh, especially more experience it can be helpful to have a little bit of a more uh i guess aggressive breathing pattern where mm-hmm. as you're swinging a kettlebell you might even see kettlebell folks go like having this type of breath um and you can hear that when with fighters and sprinters where they're kind of like going like like kind of really quickly and it really helps to give your give your body a little bit more of like a extra like oomph, like a little bit more force behind each move whether it's a swing or whether it's a punch or stride when you're running um but what we like to have people do initially is just to breathe normally yeah right don't overthink it because there's so much stuff going on anyway with your swing and your hinge and just understanding all your positions that once you start to think about breathing it really kind of messes with your system right and your body and your brain is trying to figure out where it is in space every time you breathe too hard or tense too much or kind of be a little bit too forceful it overrides all of your brain and body's natural tendencies and abilities to learn where you are in space so it overrides that so just breathe normally don't think too much about that part just think about your form and your alignment your balance Um, and then later on we can start to layer on more advanced breathing drills but for now don't worry too much about it yeah i totally agree and i i've even seen people just start to naturally do that breathing because the weight is getting heavier like there's there's reasons for that breathing isn't necessary when you're using a weight that you could swing for 100 reps without really getting out of breath like that it's only necessary when you're trying to really like stabilize a heavy weight out in front of you you're getting that forceful breath to try to tighten everything up and try to make sure that that weight doesn't pull you over and it's just this this mechanism to make you be better able to get to higher levels but it's not something that you need to necessarily learn or practice right from the start yeah yeah I, yeah and i think you're right that definitely does just kind of naturally happen without even any other sort of additional cueing and yeah. i think that's when it's the best because it's not artificial and right. like faked right exactly yeah, yeah. cool well we cool. just spent like 30 minutes on the kettlebell swing uh, <laughs> wow we're really big nerds <laughs> we we just love kettlebell swings and we love kettlebells and we also want to we love also 
talking about them in nuanced ways that aren't just trying to force yourself into very like rigid specific um patterns so yeah i think yeah i mean uh, with the nature of instagram like we do our best but it is like at the end of the day like it's a post and it's a uh kind of like a shortened caption and we can't provide too much nuance so it's we have a little bit more of like a broader cursory look at um at whatever we're posting about but with the podcast um we are able to definitely dive a lot deeper and be a lot more nuanced with it um and we also appreciate all of you who have been clamoring for the podcast to come back we were like do people even listen like whatever (laughs) um but we were definitely this all the comments definitely made it so that we were like okay we should probably bring it back if people actually listen to it yeah yeah so we're we're so excited to be back and we want to hear from you on what um topics you want us to deep dive into so we're not just guessing so definitely send us messages and comments and we'll probably put out some q a's uh to get some insights from you on what you all want to hear about learn about know about yeah cool cool um do we used to have an outro (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember it was high five oh it used to be peace love and muscles but then we realized that it was that was um trademarked so we we had to let that one go (laughs) (laughs) so no no more of that um i mean we could say until next time sweat out happiness oh it's perfect yeah yeah okay who says what (laughs) and until next time sweat out happiness in (laughs) 